Hey, Next on the Teen Nation, thanks for tuning in to this segment of the show. I really appreciate all your support. If you're enjoying the show, please go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. Just go to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. Stay up to date with our guest schedule by going online to nextonthetea.net. I really appreciate you. Enjoy the segment. Before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the Macklemore. My buddies and I were there last year for our annual golf trip, and it was so amazing. We're going back again this year. Everything about the place is first class. We had great accommodations. The practice facility is wonderful. The on-premise restaurant called The Craig has outstanding food and service. And the course lived up to every great expectation that we had for it going in. I can't say enough great things about the place, folks. you got to go online and see for yourself. TheMacklemore.com. The course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. Our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, Outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest agreed, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. And Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all praising the place so much by going online to themaclemore.com. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade. Golf's an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made the all-new Stealth Irons. TaylorMade Stealth Irons feature a cap-back design with a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance throughout the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or maybe not so occasional, less-than-perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the all-new Stealth Irons from TaylorMade, Beyond Driven. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is 2019 Champions Tour Player of the Year, Scott McCarran. Let me remind you about Scott's background. He's from Sacramento, California, played his college golf at UCLA, where he graduated with his degree in history. Following graduation, he stepped away from the game for four years to help his father and their family golf apparel business, came back and turned pro in 1992, and earned his way on the PGA Tour in 1994. He won three times out on the regular tour at the 1996 Freeport McDermott Classic by five strokes over Tom Watson, at the 1997 Bell South Classic here in Atlanta by three strokes over David Duvall, Lee Jansen, and Brian Henninger. And he repeated at the Bell South Classic in 2001, this time winning by a stroke over Mike Weir. He partnered with Bruce Litsky and later Brad Faxon to win the Templeton Sharks shootout three times. And he and Brad Henninger paired up again to win the Fred Myers Challenge in 2002. Since joining the Champions Tour, he's won 11 times. And one of those was right back here again in Atlanta at the Mitsubishi Electric Classic. In 2019, Scott won the Charles Schwab Cup on the Champions Tour plus the Jack Nicholas Trophy for their Player of the Year honors. He added the Arnold Palmer Award for being the moneyless winner as well. Fought his way back from foot and ankle injuries last season, though from some of the videos I saw, he could have given the guys a run for their money on one leg. And I'm honored to have him back with me here again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Scott, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me tonight. Scott, I know you're back out there competing on the Champions Tour, which tells me the the foot and ankle must be nicely healed. How you feeling? Yeah, it's feeling pretty good, Chris. It's been uh, a little over seven months uh, post-surgery, so I'm feeling pretty good. I've been walking uh, over the last week, 
tournaments, able to walk all 18 holes, and every week it seems to get a little bit better. Um, I'm able to go ahead and swing just about as hard as I want to now and not worry about hurting the ankle or rolling over on the ankle. Um, not too much pain as far as the ankle is concerned when swinging. Just gets a little sore and stiff and hurts a little bit walking towards the end of the day. But every day I, I walk and finish around, it just seems to get a little bit stronger. So um, I'm still in recovery. You know, anytime you have surgery, it, Chris, as you know, it takes about a year. So I'm getting pretty close uh, to that year. But I still got some time, and uh, but I'm playing some good golf finally, and I'm not thinking about hurting the ankle. So I'm um, I'm looking forward to this stretch of we got four tournaments in a row. We just played last week in Dallas, and this week we're in Houston, which is a, a great tournament here at the Insperity, and I'm really looking forward to uh, this stretch of tournaments. Scott, talk about swinging hard. You're eighth on tour and driving distance at a shade over 291 yards. How does that compare? To how far you used to hit the ball when you first came out on the PGA Tour back in the early nineties? Well, you know it's interesting. I, you know, I've I've always been a fairly long driver of the golf ball. Even when I first came out on the PGA Tour, my first seven years I was inside the top ten in driving distance every year. Um, and then as I get older and the guys get younger and 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 hit it a lot farther, then then I've fallen back. You know, when I was still on the PGA Tour, more in the like thirtieth or fortieth. But uh, now that I'm on the Champions Tour, you know, I'm certainly somewhere inside the top 10. Uh, normally, I kind of reside around five or six. I mean, there's some guys out here that still absolutely bomb it. But, uh, you know, even on my on my one leg, I'm still able to get out there pretty good. And uh, so I'm happy that uh, my driving distance is still up at 291. That's good. It's probably down about four or five yards than it normally is. But uh, we've had some wet, windy conditions uh, so far this year. And I feel like I'm driving the ball as good as ever. I've got the new... Tour Edge Exotics, the new 722, and I'm just loving that driver. So uh, it's been a great addition to the bag. And uh, so I'm, I think I'm just going to get stronger and stronger as the year goes on. And speaking of that, because you're also in the top 40 in driving accuracy, so you're hitting it long and straight. Are you feeling good about your opportunity here pretty soon? You talk about healing up and you need a couple of more months probably before you reach the year. But you got to be on the verge of getting back to the top of leaderboard. Well, I, I I feel like I am. Uh, you know, last week I felt pretty good. I got back to my old golf coach, E.A. Tischler, about two weeks ago, and I felt pretty good going into Dallas. Uh, you know, we had 20 to 30-mile-an-hour winds every day, um, and so I just was getting blown over a little bit, um, you know, with the driver and with the long putter. It is a little bit tougher sometimes putting in those high, gusty winds. And so I didn't quite play as well as I would like to, but I was really close. Um, and I, I liked what the things that I was doing. Um, I was able to control a lot of shots a lot better than I had been over the last couple months. And, you know, again, it's just a matter of getting my feet wet and getting back into the competing, you know, seeing some good shots, seeing some good things happen. Um, the confidence is, is there. And so, you know, I, I actually felt pretty good, even though I finished, um, 47th, <laughs> tied for 47th, but I felt like I, I was actually hitting the ball pretty good. So. Uh, again, you know, you, you go from one week, you try to learn what you can from that week and apply it to the following week. So here I am at a golf course that, uh, Woodlands that, uh, I wanted a couple of years ago in 2019. Golf course I like, fun, tricky golf course and, uh, ready to go for this week. And Scott, talking about courses that you've won at before, you guys are going to be back here in Atlanta for the Mitsubishi Electric Classic at TPC Sugarloaf here next week, May 6th through the 8th. You've had a fair amount of success playing here in Atlanta, especially on that golf course. Is that a course that just 
happens to suit your eye or do you have more confidence <laughs> when you're stepping up to the tees here? What, what makes it a place that you've been so successful at? Well, I certainly had some, you know, a good tournament there. I've won three times. Um, you know, I was, I was fortunate to play a practice round with Greg Norman, who was the golf course designer, um, in 1997, um, for my first practice round, the first time we'd gone there. And he kind of taught me a little bit about that golf course, what he was trying to do, some of the lines that you can take to, you know, cut off some yardage or get some extra roll. And so he certainly taught me a lot in that first practice round that I was able to carry out in 1997 and, and win that event. So, um, you know, I got to credit Greg for kind of teaching me how to play that golf course a little bit. And it's carried over. I mean, it's just a golf course I like. It's fun. Great shot value. I mean, uh, you can get up and bomb some of the drives and then you got some very narrow tee shots as well. And you've got some great green complexes and some holes that I like that Greg does every once in a while where he builds a golf hole with, uh, you know, no bunker around the green, just like sloping off, um, kind of an infinity type green look. And, uh, I think he did a great job at that golf course and it, it's one I look forward to playing every year. And speaking of Greg Norman and you played alongside Greg competed against him for a lot of the time when in the nineties, when he was on his streak of 331 consecutive weeks as the number one player in the world. Talk about what it was like competing against him then and competing against him now. You know, competing against Greg was, you know, it was fun. I mean, Greg, you know, had this aura about him. Anytime you're around Greg, I mean, as soon as he, you know, was on the scene, he looked like he was seven feet tall. He just had this aura around him. Um, you know, he, he swashbuckling, comes in on the jet, then the helicopter. And he's got all this stuff going on and he swings at it hard. And hit, he hit the driver um, better, I think, than anybody I'd ever seen. He was one of the best drivers of the golf ball um, I had ever seen. And uh, it was fun competing against him um, and playing and watching him do what he, he did. I mean, he was always up there. I mean, every tournament uh, that I played in, it seemed like my first couple of years, you know, Greg Norman was right there on the leaderboard. So he was a, a fun guy. And I wish now, wish, I wish he would come out and compete with us every once in a while on the Champions Tour because, uh, he brings, uh, brings a lot of fans, a lot of eyeballs to a tournament. Um, and he's been a good friend of mine for a long time. He was very, I was very fortunate to get an invite to the Shark Shootout back in 1997. And he called me and, and paired me with Bruce Litsky and we ended up winning that year. And Greg and I became very good friends after that. And, Used to a lot of vacations together. I used to go on his big boat and go elk hunting, bow hunting uh, on his ranch. So I've had a lot of fun with Greg over the years. And he's been, uh, because of him, I've had some just tremendous trips that uh, are unforgettable. So Greg's a good buddy. We still talk every now and then. Um, and uh, I wish him nothing but success. But I wish he would come out and play with every once in a while. Is Greg being unfairly painted into a corner, painted as the villain now with this whole Saudi league and what's going on between that league and the guys on the PGA Tour? Well, I think, you know, Greg's trying to help golf and he's trying to help worldwide golf. He's always been that guy that, you know, was a global player and he wants to see, you know, golf on that global stage. So, you know, he's trying to do what he can to to help that. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people are painting that him into that corner just because, uh, you know, they think they're infringing on the PGA tour, but he's also trying to help players and he's, uh, he's helped the PGA tour players a lot already in that they've increased purses. They had that PIP program that they 
started last year to try to keep guys from going over to any of these other tours. They put more money into that program this year. They're putting up money in retirement. So, you know, the trickle-down effect of what Greg has been doing is actually enriching a lot of the PGA Tours already players. Um, and I think that you're going to see some guys are going to go over there and, and play some of these tournaments. I mean, I, why wouldn't you for $20 million uh, for an individual person, $5 million for a team purse, um, play a couple of those events? Um, the PGA Tour has always given releases to guys to go play other tours. Um, they've given releases for guys to go play over in Saudi. Uh, the women had a golf tournament in Saudi here just a couple months ago. So um, if I was a young guy, I, you might go play a couple of those events. Why not? Scott, getting back to the Champions Tour and the schedule this year, you guys go back-to-back with majors here in a couple of weeks with the tradition over at Greystone Golf and Country Club in Birmingham and then up for the Senior PGA Championship in Benton Harbor, Michigan. When I think of major championship golf, I think of, not only a physical grind, but a mental grind. And here you guys are playing back-to-back major championships. Do you like the idea of going back-to-back, or would you rather see a little more time in between, if for nothing else, to relax your mind a little bit from uh, what it's like having to compete in a major? Well, Chris, the, the majors out here are just a little bit different than the majors on the PGA Tour. Um, the PGA Tour is a little bit more of a grind with the majors. Uh, just because the golf courses a lot of times are extremely difficult. Uh, you've got tremendous amount of fans that come out. Um, for our majors, they're just really good tournaments. Um, but they're not quite that major feel, you might say, on the PGA Tour. Um, it's a little more understated. The Regions uh, Tournament is a great tournament at Greystone. They do a tremendous job, and we get a, we get a nice fan base out there. It's a good tournament. Um, again, you know, for us, a major is four rounds, so you know, you throw one more round on there. Um, we do have a week off in between those two majors, so we don't have to play, you know, go from one right to the other. And then we go up to Benton Harbor um, for the PGA Championship. A fun golf course to play. I think Tita Green could be one of my favorite golf courses we play on our tour. Um, and it's got some beautiful views uh, out there on the lake. And the, the fans really come out in droves for that one, too. But it's just not quite the, as big a feel as, as a PGA Championship on the big tour. But still, having said that, it is a big deal for us. We want to win majors, um, even though we're uh, on the Champions Tour now. So, you know, having back-to-back, you know, as long as you have a week off, it's not that big a deal to us. Uh, but to have those great tournaments, uh, we love it. Um, we've, we've had um, chances sometimes when there's been three majors in five weeks. Um, I kind of like it because you, you really get up for those tournaments. Scott, a little bit later on this summer in August is going to be the Shaw Classic, an event you won back in 2018, thanks to a final round 63 that included a hole-in-one that you jarred on 14. And then right after that, Bernard Longer almost aced it right on top of you. Take us back to that hole-in-one, the wild back nine battle you had with Joe Durant, with you guys going back and forth, and what you remember from winning that golf tournament. Yeah, that was a, a golf tournament and a golf course that I really enjoyed playing at. Uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, over the years. I've, I've got two wins there and, and a second place that still, you know, bothers me today when West Short hit it in the middle of the lake and hit a rock and bounced on the green. I'm 18 to beat me by a shot, but, you know, I don't want to think about that too much longer. But <laughs> having said that, uh, so that win in 18 was great. Um, I remember stepping up the tee, just kind of having a battle with uh, Langer and Grant. Uh, we were playing also with Esteban Toledo and having a really nice, uh, nice round. I was playing pretty solid. 
um, got on that uh, hole there on the par three on the backside and, and made it made a hole in one with a nine iron and Langer hit a hit one in there pretty close. So that was fun. I'm, I think I'm at a bogey the next hole, uh, but came back with a strong birdie on the, on the, the next par three. And then I hit it really close. I remember I hit it really close on 17 and missed them from about three feet, um, which is a little disappointing and birdied 18. So it was a, a good finish. I know Joe Duran had missed a short one um, on 17. And, uh, you know, that happens every once in a while. I, I just missed a short one for myself there for birdie. But uh, it was a great battle, and it, it's a really good golf course um, and, and, and a great sponsor. And I'm really hoping to be able to go up there and play again this year. And, Scott, as you mentioned, Joe Duran missing a, a short tap-in there on 17 during the final round. We just saw Jordan Spieth miss a tap-in during the third round at Harbortown. Are those moments... That you mean you just go brain dead, you get nonchalant. I mean, look, all, all of us amateurs, all of us weekend warriors, that's happened to all of us. But I think we become more shocked when it happens to one of you guys. What leads to that, and has that ever happened to you? Yeah, it, it has. Um, it has happened. You know, the, the, anytime you miss a short putt where you're not giving it your full attention, um, that's the thing that'll bother players more than anything. Um, it's not about the miss. It's about that you didn't be, you know, take it like a normal shot. You didn't put all your effort into it. Um, if I put all my effort into a one and a half, two foot putt and miss it, so be it. You know, whether I hit a bad putt or whether I misread it or whatever, I'm not going to be that mad. But if I get up there and just nonchalant try to backhand one in or just swipe at one and, and miss it, that's where I'm going to be more mad at myself. Um, and I like Jordan Spieth just kind of stepping over somebody's line and kind of giving it a quick hit and missing it. I think you know, I know his wife gave him a little talking to that night. Hey, you know, take a little more time on those putts. You know, you know, almost cost him the tournament. So, uh, you've got to take, you know, your time. You got to go through your routine, even on those short ones. And so as long as you do that and if you miss it, so be it, but, uh, just don't rush it. And, and you know, it's kind of like we go brain dead a little bit. Scott, the Twitter background image you have is the seventh green at Pebble Beach, which is one of the most iconic holes in all of golf. Is that your favorite golf course to play? And based on the wind, what are the range of clubs that you've had to take? Because since it's only 106 yards, I've heard guys talk about hitting anywhere from sand wedge to five iron. Yeah, you know, Cub Beach has always been one of my favorite golf courses uh, I've ever played. Um, I played there as a junior growing up in a lot of junior tournaments. Got to play, you know, amateur tournaments. Got to play California State amateur there. And then got on the PGA Tour and, you know, got to play in all those AT&Ts all those years. So it was a, a tournament that I always enjoyed playing. So I always had a lot of friends and family there because I was from Northern California. So, uh, yeah, that's part of my background on, on that Twitter. And, and also my wife and I uh, met at Pebble Beach. So that's also a, a big part of it, too. Um, both of one of our favorite places it just happens to be the same place at Pebble Beach. Um, but that golf hole, I think I have a love-hate relationship with that golf hole. Uh, you know, it feels like you stay on that tee sometimes you can throw the ball, golf ball on the green, uh, you know, but you get a little gust of wind. Also, you come up and bury it in the bunker. Um, I've had to hit four iron in there a couple times, uh, during tournaments where it's just an absolute nightmare just trying to chip it down there. Uh, but it's a, you know, one of the most iconic holes all in golf. Scott, I want to get a playing lesson from you, really more around the mental approach. Talk about playing to win and not playing not to lose. For those of us that might be going out to play in a 
a local tournament or a member member or a member guest or a club championship. We can get, if we get a lead, we can get a little nervous and then start to play really conservatively. Talk about playing to win and not giving a tournament away, playing not to lose. Well, I think one of the best things to do is, is really break it down to going through your process, whatever that may be, whatever your process is. Um, playing to win just means going through your process, staying in the moment. Um, if you put too much onus on winning, then that might affect your process and that might affect the way you're thinking. That might affect your physiology. You might start getting tense because you're trying to win something. But the biggest thing is to recognize that getting back to going through your routine, going through your process um, and letting it happen. A lot of people say, well, we don't want to play to lose either. That's true. We don't we don't want to play too conservative. And I've always said, if you're going to play conservative, pick a conservative line that you can be aggressive in, meaning if you're going to lay up, make sure you're laying up aggressively. Don't just nonchalantly get up there and just go, well, I'm just going to lay up with a seven iron. No, I'm going to hit the seven iron to the specific spot, and here's how I'm going to do it. You know, again, going through your process, and if you do that enough and, and take care of what what you can take care of, uh, more often than not, you know, good things are going to happen. Got one more before I let you go, and I was surprised when you won the Player of the Year on the Champions Tour, and that didn't get you into the Masters field. Do you think it's one of those things that should guarantee you a spot in that tournament? Oh, Chris, absolutely. That should have, no, I don't think. I wish it would, but, uh, you know, there's so many, uh, champions tour players that, uh, get to play in the Masters because they're former, uh, champions of the Masters. So I think they've got enough champions tour guys that are playing, uh, at the Masters every year. And that is, would be, you know, an incredible thing to be able to go back and play Augusta because I always felt that was a tournament that uh, I had a chance to win at. I loved playing there. I had some close calls. I got to play six Masters, and it was just a lot of fun, one of my favorite tournaments at all. But, no, I don't think Player of the Year uh, should get in the Masters. I, but it is kind of nice that the uh, Schwab Cup winner does get to play Colonial, um, the Charles Schwab Championship there. And I think that's a nice nice little thing to do. And, and when there's a, a Sh- Charles Schwab Cup Championship at Colonial, uh, not opposite a championship event, it's kind of nice to be able to go play that. Scott, before I let you go, remind our listeners how we can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you online or it's on social media. Yeah, follow online on uh, pgtour.com. You can also go to my Twitter account, scottmccarran.com. Um, and, you you know, I've got some great sponsors, Mobix Labs, Faster 5G, Hotline Construction, Titleist, Paul Shuglub, Tour Edge Exotics, the new 722 line of hybrid streaming drivers are great. Greg Norman Apparel, Hamarki CBD and Trump Charlotte and Trump Golf. Uh, thank them all for staying by my side. Guy, you're fantastic, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. I always enjoy getting to spend some time with you. Thanks, Chris. Uh, happy belated birthday, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you. Take care, Scott. All the best to you and your family. That's a great Scott McCarran, folks. Like he says, a couple of more months of healing up. I expect to see Scott right back at the top of leaderboards out there on the Champions Tour, and I'm looking forward to when he comes here uh, to TPC Sugarloaf, see him competing strong into the final round on Sunday. But really enjoy Scott. Look forward to catching up with him again soon.